Blog Talk Radio. Welcome to Stock Market Investing with the Armor Report. I'm Brett Rosenthal. This is our weekend show. Thanks for joining. What we're going to do is have a weekend review like we always do. We're going to go over for you our algorithms, what they're telling us about the big picture indexes, and answer that rather cheeky question I ask in the title, which is, is the stock market about to crash? <laughs> Everybody loves asking that question. And what we're going to do is boil it down to facts. We're going to look at probabilities and statistics and cut through all of the noise around us. What I promise you I won't do is spend a lot of time talking about um, sentiment indicators, okay, and how much overbought this is or that kind of stuff, because it means nothing. That stuff is always there. When the market breaks down, everyone points to it. So what we're going to do is look at real algorithms telling us how to manage our assets. Then what we're going to do is dive into the armor portfolios. I'm going to share with you how we're positioned, cash that we're holding, positions and groups that we're holding. And of course, the next step will be what stocks are we looking at that we might add to the portfolio next week? We're going to go over chart patterns. I'm going to let you know what they are. Okay. We're going to wrap it all up in a bow with a discussion about precious metals, because as we've been saying since early March, it's time to build an allocation. We've earned the right to take more risk because we're making money in every position. And so let's talk about the steady march towards Basel III rule changes at the end of June and what that's going to do to prices. All right. And of course, then I'll get to your Q&A. If you enjoyed this conversation, always you can subscribe right down here, either to the YouTube channel or to the Armor Report, if you wish. Don't forget to hit the like button. That really helps me out on on uh, on YouTube, so I appreciate that. If you guys don't mind banging away. Um, before I dive in, the usual disclaimer, I'm going to share with you information I use to manage my own personal capital. I've been doing this over 30 years. Okay, I'm going to share my successes, my failures. I'm going to show you portfolios. They're my own. You've got to make your own risk tolerance decisions. You've got to figure out what your goals are and build a portfolio that works for you. But what I try to do for Armor Insiders subscribers is share my portfolios on a spreadsheet, all the entry points, the dates we add them, the dates we take them off, um, our stop losses, our targets. This is what I use for my own capital. And then over time, what I hope you all can do as insiders and those of you considering becoming an insider, is to use the Armour Report as a guide. It's not an absolute. I don't know you. I couldn't possibly tell you you have to do X. But as a guide to help you understand the waters that we're swimming in and hopefully make you a more successful steward of your own capital. Okay, so that's, let's dive in. Um, this is the Armour Report. Obviously, you click on Armour Insiders, get to click on that button. Subscribers, they get these four tabs. I update these every day or when necessary, okay? And so you can see here the Armour Risk Monitor. If I click on it, and where this is going to directly uh, relate to our first discussion today about the indexes, okay? So you can see right here on the 12th, we changed to Risk Posture Red, okay? Red light. So let's talk about why we did that, okay? First things first, 
We have algorithms written for seven indexes, kind of eight, because we, we follow the ARC Innovator Funds now. And what we look for is confluence across the board. When everything, every index is behaving the same, that's a signal to us that the elephants are starting to um, stampede, okay? And it's our job to get out of the way of their feet and to get ahead of them. So we use these algos as a big picture. And we try to put ourselves, they help us put ourselves on the right side of probability over and over again when rewards worth risk. They're not a crystal ball. It's not a neural network. I'm not trying to guess direction. We're simply using a statistical algorithm to say, yep, the, the conditions are best to put money to work or the conditions are at their worst to put money to work. And so that's what Risk Monitor Red is. This is not where we put money to work. Doesn't mean we can't put money to work next week. And that's one thing I want to share with you today. So is this the beginning of a bear market? Okay. Let's go take a look at some charts. And we're going to get to that chart later. That's a chart of Sprott Physical Gold. And we're going to have to dive into that later. But let's start with the S&P here. We have a massive uptrend started by the Fed, controlled by the Fed. It's why I call it the mechanical bull market. It started down here. And we continue to crawl up the bottom line of that Andrews fork. And I want to just do something real quick so we can flip through charts faster. Okay. So what we have here is a market that tested, again, the 50-day moving average and the uptrend and immediately reversed. So you might ask me, well, how can we go risk monitor red? It only went down three days in a row. Okay. It's our strategy when we look at all seven, eight indexes now, eight, we look for confluence, we look for leadership. When we get three down days in a row with other indexes imploding, we go risk monitor red and we raise cash, okay? So when I say other indexes imploding, you all know what's going on in the innovator funds, down 9% last week, another 4.5% this week, cratering below the 50, the 200, every moving average is well, headed south. It's an absolute disaster. Let's look at the momentum index. A little bit better, still above the 200, but cratered below the 50. Let's look at the value index. Okay, the value index broke out and reversed and sold off hard on a three-bar reversal, but stayed above the 50-day. So now let's talk about is this the start of a stock market crash? Not based on the algorithms. Just because the algos go risk monitor red doesn't mean we're at the start of a market crash. Now, it did last year in February. Risk monitor red. We got out of the market. The market dropped 40%. But normally, the market doesn't do that. Most risk monitor reds are early warning signs that end up not resulting in a market crash. It kind of reminds me, I live down here in, in Florida, and it's like, you know, we constantly get these hurricane warnings, right? But very infrequently do we get a hurricane that actually hits and causes a major problem in South Florida. It, it's, it's, this is an early warning system. That's what the risk monitor is. And so it forces us to look at our portfolio. It stops us from trying to buy every dip, and it says, wait, wait, we got risk monitor red. It doesn't mean the market's going to crash. It could. We don't know. But it doesn't mean it has to do that. 
What it means is it's time to stop doing what we're doing and watch to see what happens over the next X amount of days. We may start buying stocks again because this was just a quick tropical storm and it didn't develop into anything else or become something a lot worse and we've protected capital. Armor stands for algorithmic risk management research. So we begin and end by managing the risk and then we capture upside. Okay, so that's what we had to do last week. We managed the risk by raising cash. So I've got three portfolios set up, index only, swing, and um, in my invest strategy, okay? The index only, when we get risk monitor red, it goes to 100% cash. Now, I use these three strategies. It, with my personal capital, I divide it into these three strategies. So one of my portfolios went to cash. The other two portfolios, swing and invest, are carrying 50%, maybe 40 to 50% cash. We stayed with other positions that allowed us to have a very nice day on Friday. Okay? So it was a question of risk monitor red. I then look at the portfolio swing and invest, and I say, okay, what positions do I want to book profits on that are up a lot? I'm going to take a game here on the swing portfolio for sure. What positions are hitting stops? I got to take them out. And which positions can we hold on to? Because we're managing the position. We're not managing our P&L. And if the positions have stopped, we stay with it. But we understand that we're a day or two away from a dramatic market decline if it unfolds. And so finger on the trigger to raise more cash if we have to. Okay? Now, typically... What I'll tell you is typically in any risk-off scenario, like we have here in the S&P, three down days in a row, you could always have a two-day rally, all right? So Armor Insiders know that we have, um, we have set up for you at the Armor Report on the Armor Insiders um, uh, section of our Armor Report. We have our captain's log. I write this every day, sometimes twice a day before the market opens and after the market closes, just to kind of consolidate my thoughts on, on trading and investing. But we have a, uh, um, investing rules of the road, okay? It's something that I like to put together after years of doing this. Things that I've learned that I think, you know, really helped me over the years, okay? And I want to share it with you. And so sometimes what I'm, I'll highlight for you, one particular uh, issue on that list. And today what I'm going to highlight is the three-day rule. In any sell-off, you can get two up days, and very often, they're aggressive up days. Market's up big for a couple days. It's day three that matters. So Monday's incredibly important. The close on Monday is incredibly important to me. Market up again, three, up day, three down days in a row, three up days in a row. That looks like a shakeout that touched the 50. The whole market's going to go higher. We'll start adding more names to our portfolio again. The market rolls over and breaks down again on Monday, then all you saw Thursday and Friday was a typical dead cat bounce brought on by options gamma flows. Okay? That's what a dead cat bounce is. People who own a lot of puts sell their puts to book the profit. The, the dealers, the market makers and options buy the puts and buy the underlying asset, and it just creates a stair-step type of rally in the market for a couple of days. 
when that juice is over, which they call vana, if you're following options information, it's called vana charm flows. When that juice is over, you get back to what the real direction of the market is. And so what I suggest to you is there can always be two days of vana flows that rip the market higher. And then we see what the real direction is. So Monday is going to be important, and we'll see what we're doing on Monday. Let's dive into what are the stocks still in the armor portfolios. Okay, so um, taking ourselves out of here, going back into the armor insider list. Whoops, while you're watching me, I'm going to grab a cup of coffee. All right, so over here is our portfolio page, right? Armor portfolio, model portfolios shows you what we're doing each day index only, and then our spreadsheet telling you what we own and, you know, kind of highlighted, uh, giving you different information. So let's dive into what exactly did we hold on to last week? Just a couple of ideas. In the midst of the sell-off, there's nothing wrong with it. You could grab a pen and a piece of paper. You might want to jot down these stock symbols and then do your own research to see if it fits your portfolio, okay? So you can see Coca-Cola, wide pennant breakout. No reason to sell it, never hit a stop. You can see McDonald's, huge, huge base breakout McDonald's. These are defensive names, right? Look at that reverse head and shoulders. It's classic. There's no reason to sell it. Came down, touched the 50, looks great. Here's one of my favorite ideas, Teledyne. It came down off of its highs, stayed above its stop, stayed above this massive breakout here. I'd love to add to my position next week. If it looks like the coast is clear, this is the type of stock I will be doubling my position size at the 50-day moving average. Okay? Let's take a quick look at um, Chevron as an example. We have major breakouts going on across the board in energy stocks. Chevron is in the portfolio. We're collecting a fat yield. It's a clear entry point. The stop obviously is at 100. We're just going to let this thing run and see how much money we can make and collect the dividend while we wait. In the meantime, I'm looking to add this position to the portfolio. Have not added it yet. So this is on the whiteboard, as we call it, the whiteboard. Okay, so there's a whiteboard list. If you um, were to drill out, and then drill down into the whiteboard, you'll see that's another section of the Armor uh, Insider Report. Okay, and on the whiteboard, what we're going to do is list the names that we think are most important to own. Top of the whiteboard, these are names we're looking at. Okay, and then, of course, top shelf, the greatest names ever, and I'm reworking that right now. And so all of the stocks that we're following fundamentally are on this whiteboard. And what we do is we list the ones that we think should be bought or near buy points we lift them up to the top of the whiteboard for insiders to see. So on that whiteboard is going to be the ETF of all of the U.S. exploration and production stocks. Okay? So there's a couple of ideas for you um, that are still in the portfolio. Oh, and don't forget AT&T. I think this is stupid money. I think this is the kind of money I'm going to collect all year long, the dividend, which is fat. Uh, and over time, I would expect the stock to be up 30% from where we bought it with a dividend payout of more than 6%. That is a no-brainer to me. At a time when no one likes it and everyone thinks it's terrible and blah, 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 and all this debt, it's classic. This is a classic entry point down here. And, of course, Armor Report, we own it down here. So we're not buying it up here. We own it down here. 
But anyway, those are the stocks. Those are the kind of stocks that made it through last week. What's similar about those stocks? They're all really defensive stocks. Okay, the amount of destruction going on in the innovator type of stocks, what it's doing is it's driving assets, not just mine. Institutional money managers are hiding out in the safest lower beta names. And until such time as those innovator stocks stop collapsing, those names, those, those lower beta names, are going to turn into wonderful growth stocks. That's what I think is happening this year. In a normal year without the Fed intervention, you would probably have a bear market this year. But instead, what we're getting is a managed bull market. And so money's not leaving the market. It's rotating into these types of names. I'm going to share one sector with you now off the whiteboard. I might add these next week. I want you to see these chart patterns um, for you to do your own research. All right, so grab that pen again. You're going to want to write these down. Okay, take a look at the chart pattern. Uh, we own this in the portfolio now of AbbVie. Okay, big cap pharma. Big cap pharma. We bought AbbVie right in here, and the stock didn't even act like the market was going. They didn't even know the market was going down. All right, take a look at Gilead's chart pattern, and tell me how that's different than AT&T. It's a stock everyone loves to hate. Everyone's sure that the stock's going to go down, and yet all the bad news is in it now, and the stock only goes up. This right here, this selling right here, was earnings-related, and there was news that came out that remdesivir, they've stopped the trials, it doesn't help people with COVID. All the bad news is out. It pays a great dividend. The stock is going up. This is the type of stocks that go into my Armor Invest portfolio. I might even put them in the swing portfolios, but... Without a doubt, they're Armour Invest names. I try to trade less in the Invest portfolio. I try to have lower beta and stick with names as long as possible. Okay, take a look at um, Merck. Okay, everyone tells you how terrible Merck is. Really, is it that terrible? It's making this beautiful pennant formation. This is the earnings announcement. So there's all the bad news. Everybody hated the earnings announcement. And by the way, I, I own the stock here, and I got trapped in the sell-off. I sold it because I sell, and there's bad news. It hit my stop. I'm out. And then I watched to see how the stock behaves. It made a higher low, stayed within this pennant, and is about to break out above the 200-day moving average. So when all the bad news is out on the stock, when, when everything you could possibly hear about the stock is terrible, and the stock makes higher lows, and starts to make uh, um, starts to break out above key moving averages. That is the very definition of a reward to risk setup that's optimal. Could we lose money in these names? Of course, you could lose money in anything. But from a probability standpoint, these setups are perfect, and they all pay dividends. Take a look at um, Bristol Myers. Notice how they're all making pennant formations, and they all gap down with earnings and have immediately recovered and made higher lows. And I'm just going to throw out there Pfizer, which we know is tied up in the whole COVID situation, but I, 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 and so I don't usually like to buy stocks like that. But that chart is sick. If that thing can come out of this high, tight pennant, you know, it had one bad down day, 
and immediately recovered, this stock looks like it's going a lot higher. And what gives me confidence to say that is that the whole group is moving. This is something you all want to understand as uh, investors. Um, institutions move in herds. They're, they're moving hundreds of millions, if not billions of dollars. They can't buy one stock. So they find a theme that they like and they buy them all. And so our job is to find confluence. When we see all the names start to perform the same way, we know that's the footprint of institutions and that's the best reward to risk setup for us. So those are the names we're putting on. Okay, um, quick note before I launch into a discussion of precious metals and then we'll get to your Q&A. Don't forget, by the way, if you want to subscribe, you can right down here, right down in this uh, segment here, you can click on subscribe, you can watch these videos and certainly think of subscribing to the Armour Report. Um, also, hit that like button. It's going to help me out. I appreciate it. And what we're going to do right now is talk about MSOS, which I know you all like. So it's not hard to hit the like button. <laughs> all right. What have I been saying the last couple of weeks? If you guys have been watching this channel, I've been sharing with you that when you have a precipitous decline like this, it takes time to work off that overhead supply. So the first run higher generally runs into overhead and you get sell-offs. All right, so we bought it here, it ran up, it reversed on this day, we exited the position, no harm, no foul. It comes down to $40, which is clearly the lie in the stand. It's made a higher low now. This is starting to look interesting to me. If 40 can hold and we can get a higher low, I can start investing in U.S. cannabis again. We all saw Grogen had a huge earnings announcement. Uh, I shouldn't say that. The reaction to the earnings announcement was very positive. It beat expectations. They think, you know, they say things are going to, you know, doing doing well going forward. I, I'm looking for an entry point to Grogen. I hate that pattern. But it, it's not uncommon for a pennant to break down, reverse, and immediately break out. If that happens, you usually have a screamer on your hands. So we'll watch GrowGen closely, and we're going to watch MSOS closely. Okay? Truth be told, when I look at a bunch of the individual names inside of MSOS, I don't really like it. So I'm going to watch this closely. If it can hold 40 and make a higher low, I get a lot more bullish on these stocks. But the point of today is to talk about precious metals. I've been talking for a couple of weeks. I'm No, early March. We started putting money to work in early March in precious metals. It was the very definition of the right reward to risk setup. Put us on the right side of probabilities. And we're making money. Now we've earned the right to take more risk next week if we want to. Let's go look at some charts. Okay, I want to share with you first. I'm not a buyer of GLD, but it just shows you gold, obviously. So I'm just going to show you this chart. Okay? Gold all the way back. Let's go all the way back to the original cup and handle breakout in 2019. Okay? So what you have is a rip off of this bottom, pull back. So green entry point here, green entry point here, right? Now, this was the, coll the collapse in the market, which immediately reversed. So... We actually were buying gold right in here at the Armour Report, okay, and gold stocks. And they screamed higher, okay? Now there was this ending pennant. You can see this ending pennant right here. 
and we exited our precious metals positions. And we've been waiting ever since to put money to work. So where do you think, when we look at this chart, where do you think we started putting money to work? Right at the bottom of this channel in early March. Now, we didn't buy GLD, but it's such a clear chart pattern. You can see why we're doing it. The reason I'm here today to talk to you about it is that the downtrend hasn't even been broken yet. It's so early in this story if we're right on what we believe. And this is what we believe, and I'll tell it to you in a nutshell. I'm not going to spend all day on it again. There are massive amounts of unallocated gold and silver, okay? You know, you know this. If you don't know this, do your own research. I can't go through it. It would take me hours. And, and I, can, I can digress into that discussion because it's so much fun. But let's put it aside and just say massive amounts of unallocated gold and silver. Basel III rules take effect at the end of June. It makes it um, uneconomical for banks to um, be in an unallocated position. So their job between now and then, if they have any sense in their head, is to get out of that unallocated position, which is very hard in a situation where production has declined dramatically, so supply is very limited, and demand is starting to come on. And after June, late June, let's call it July, you're going to be in a situation where it benefits. Not only, not only does it make it um, an unprofitable situation to, be, to have unallocated gold, but if you have your gold hoard, if you're a, a bank or, an in, or a central bank and you've got your gold hoard, it becomes very um, attractive to you for the price of gold to go up, right? We're in a world of ever-increasing massive amounts of debt for governments as they try to bail out the world economy from the Wuhan virus, okay? And the way they so, – so they print money, print money, and print bonds, and print bonds, right? And so on the one side, the U.S., for instance, has massive amounts of debt. On the other side, we have assets, right? The United States of America – Every country is just like a corporation. We have assets. We have liabilities. If the asset in the balance sheet is gold, and you can revalue that asset three, four, five times higher, all of a sudden your balance sheet looks a lot better. So all of this has been coming. This has all been coming. Um, this is like a, a tortoise trying to get across a road. You know, I mean, it goes real slow, and you hope it doesn't get run over. Okay, but if it gets to the other side of the road, the pond is, you know, is all for the tortoise. And so, this process has been happening for years. It's not like all of a sudden overnight. And you can see that by looking at the gold shot. This has been coming for a while now. Look at the price of the metal. And hey, guess what? During this period. J.P. Morgan and Goldman Sachs have gone from short precious metals to long precious metals for their own book. So all of the players that have been manipulating the asset lower are now flipping to the other side. Rules are changing. This is the fundamental reason why we've been trading gold and silver stocks for the last couple of years why we added to them right in here. So let's go take a look at uh, Newmont Mining. Okay? Right here. Those of you who are watching this show in early March, hopefully you did your own research and decided to join us. 
I know Armor Insiders are long precious metals in a major way. Look, look at what this, we bought it right in here. And this is the example when I say we're looking for a green entry point, which is a, the Armor value entry point, where I would say it's, it's a reward to risk optimization. What was the risk? It took out these loads to go to cash. But the reward is what's happening now. We bought it right off the bottom uh, and, and it's starting to skyrocket. This is our number one position because we believe this is the institutional favorite. All right, I'm going to show you what we own and then what we're thinking of buying. So you guys know we're in royal gold. Just walking up. Franco, Nevada. I mean, we bought them right here, and it's just walking up. And this, make, this gives me a, a moment of pause. I just want to share with you. D just to remember... The best stocks in your portfolio never hit their stops. They don't even test the stops. They don't even look at the stops. They don't even peek at the stocks, at the stops. They just go up. And so this, when you're thinking of a stop loss, your stop loss should be tight. If you're buying right, if you're buying a value entry point, then your stop loss is obvious. And it should never be attacked. And if it is being attacked, the idea is no good. Move on. Look for the next idea. All right? So anyway, look at these stocks. They're going just straight up, right? Um, wheat and precious metals right in here. So where are we looking to put capital to work now? Hit that like button and I'll tell you. <laughs> just kidding. Just kidding. <laughs> I really hate uh, videos that do that. So that was just a little bit of a joke. Take out a pen, take out a piece of paper. And what I tweeted out a minute ago was we had a gift last week. Pan American Silver, which is the largest position in GDXJ, SILJ, it's got a big position in GDX. They announced earnings and people didn't like what they said. And the stock imploded. Okay, I'd like for you to note that it's not a stock in Armour Portfolios. We never bought the stock. What we said was, we're going to buy shares of SILJ, which has a large exposure, I don't know what it is, maybe 10%, for PAAS. The purpose of using these ETFs is never more clear than this moment. Had we bought Pan American, position would have been down over 10% and blown us out of our stops. But when we buy the ETF, it never goes below the stop. It holds the 50-day moving average and it was up on Friday. My guess is this is the last shot at $16 a share on SILJ. Okay, that's my guess. We already own it. We already have our full position. I don't know, I might increase my position size. That was such a gift from Pan American. What would be my stop loss? Obviously, if it goes below the low of Thursday. If it takes out that low, the story's over for me, and I'll go back to cash on my silver positions and wait for the next setup. Because the best entry points never challenge the stop. Okay? A um, couple other um, metal names that I want to look at. Always at the top of our list is Mag Silver. We think, and this is not in the portfolio right now. But we believe this is a company that could be acquired, so you can write that down and do some of your own homework, MAG. 
smaller cap gold stocks are now um, a consideration of the armor report. And Nova Gold is another position that we think will eventually will be acquired. And that is a classic, classic. And this is hot off the press, guys. I don't own this in armor portfolios yet. But that is an ideal uh, um, armor value entry point. If it takes out the low of this big bar here on the 11th, the low there is $9.15, I'll be out of it. Okay? I'll be out of it. But the reward's enormous from here if this thing takes off. All right? The mid-tier guys that we really like, they're not in the portfolio yet. But let me tell you something. At the Armour Report, I asked all the Armour Insiders, took an impromptu poll, who thinks we need more increased allocation to precious metals? We talked about it this week in our Slack room. If you're an Armour Insider, you're part of the Slack room. And I like to say we're, you know, we're an army of analysts, right, sharing ideas together in that Slack room all day. And it's backed up by a tank division of algorithms. That's the armor investing way right there. But um, we all had the feeling maybe we should bump up our allocation. Now, I've got 25 to 30% of my capital in precious metals already. Now that they're up a lot, I've earned the right to take some more risk. I don't know. I might make it 30 to 35%. You know, I don't think I'll ever get to 50% because there's too many other ideas I probably want to own. I don't, I don't want to overweight in, uh, too much in this year. But I might bump it up again to 30 to 35%. And I might do it by adding some of these names. Nova Gold. Um, I can see adding um, Kirkland. And uh, another old favorite of mine is AEM. Agnico Eagle. Okay? So these things are just now breaking their downtrends. So we started by buying the big cap and primarily royalty-driven companies because those stocks generally lead. As you can see, they are leading. But in the, in the next leg up, if these things skyrocket, what will happen is these second-tier guys will catch up in a hurry. And so owning some shares at Ag Eagle Eagle might really make sense as this thing breaks out of this pennant because it could very easily run up, you know, into the 90 area from, you know, where it's trading now, uh, 69, 70. I mean, you could easily get a pop like that. So um, those are my thoughts for today. I hope it's been helpful. I'm going to get to your Q&A now, so fill up the Q&A section. Bottom line, our allocation to precious metals and defensive names is allowing us to outperform the market right now. Monday will be a big day for us on the Armour Live Trading Desk. The close Monday is more important than the open. If gap ups Monday morning begin to fail, you better be sure that I'll be buying puts. You can follow me on Twitter and stock twits. And if I have the time, I might shout out and let you know what I'm doing. It'll be a hedge for the rest of my portfolio. I don't have time today to go over the hedging we did last week, but we made money hedging last week. We do that in our day trading portfolio, and that's for another conversation. But for now, let's get to your Q&A. Thanks for joining. Thanks for sharing. What questions do you guys have for me? Anything? TechMonkey, good morning. Totally missed you. I didn't see you last week. Thoughts on uh, DLTR? Let's take a look.
Dollar Tree. Not bad. Not bad, and retail looks pretty good. <clears throat> if I had to... Look at, this, look at this cup of handle you've got cooking here. If I had to say a, a sector of the market that looks good to me that I might try to you know, add to the portfolio if this risk monitor red gives us a break and, and changes back to green, it's probably going to be retail. And so that looks like a really interesting pattern right there. Nice cup and handle, breakout, pullback. If it holds, maybe that's a good idea. Um, here's a retail name that we like off the desk. Best Buy. We bought it right in the base here. It blew out, and then the market imploded, so we took it out of the portfolio um, right around break-even. Um, and if it holds up, I'll be right back into that stock, because I think that looks really good. We also had our eye on Kohl's, KSS. Long-term downtrend breaking, pennant formed. Could be a good idea. All right, so there's your answer there. Uh, you have a great weekend as well. Um, Kern is a story in the back of my mind because I love the chart pattern and it's sitting right down on the lows. But there was nothing off that conference call that would get me excited enough to, um, to put capital to work right now. And, and if, if I'm not comfortable putting money in MSOS, I'm not ready to put money in Kern yet. AFCG. Oh, yeah. Um, I still got to work on that. Remind me about it next week. I know you did already, but I just didn't, didn't get to it last week. AFCG. All right, Twitter. All right, I got no interest in Twitter right now. Okay, that was a major top. It's an island reversal. It's a gap down. Um, you know, the ARK Innovator Funds bought a whole bunch more shares, and now she's losing even more money. I just, I don't have any interest in that. Um, these are not the stocks. It's going to take a lot of time for these stocks to form new patterns that will make me want to buy them. Now, Rio Tinto is different. That looks pretty interesting to me. There's the, you know, there's the breakout of the double bottom at the 50, and it's pulled back. That might be an entry point. Here's an idea for you to do some work on. I really like tech resources, so let's see if we can get a pullback here. That was a nice pattern right there, and it blew out. I'm hoping to get some weakness. I didn't get it on Friday. B2 Gold Corp. You know, any... The window's open to put money into precious metal stocks, in my uh, personal opinion. Um, I'm sticking with highest quality names in uh, political jurisdictions where I believe that when the price of gold triples or quadruples, the government won't step in and steal all the gold. That's kind of how I come up with my, my, my theories on what stocks I want to own. I know it might sound crazy, but in a world where gold goes to the price that I think it's going, um, and maybe this is ridiculous because this stock could quadruple before they ever have a problem with a government somewhere. And I don't know where their gold holdings are off the top of my head. But I'm just saying, I'm just thinking out 
thinking long term. I just get more comfortable, and I think that institutions think this way, and so they're going to drive most of their money into Newmont and Royal and these type and Frank on the bottom, these type of things, where um, it's spread out globally. You, you have most of your focus on the North uh, North American continent, Canada, the U.S. That's where I'm comfortable. That's where I want my gold. I don't want my gold in Turkey, for instance, where, and no offense to anybody Turkish who's watching, but I just can't trust the government not to decide to take over the gold. You know, and not just Turkey, but any, any country where I feel the rule of law can, can you know, uh, be a little wishy-washy. I don't know about B2, B2 gold. I'm just sharing with you the stocks that I'm buying, um, North American companies is what I'm most comfortable with. Every now and then I'll dabble in Mexico. But I'm not real comfortable with that, but I'll do it. Because a lot of the best silver plays are in Mexico. All right. Any thought on SLV for silver? Well, see, this is a problem. I'm glad you brought this up. No interest in SLV, okay? Talk about unallocated gold and silver. The, the, the problem with SLV is that at some point, let's say the price of silver goes to $100 an ounce. At some point, the market's going to discover that the emperor is not wearing clothes. And the emperor, in this case, is SLV and GLD. Go read the documents. Nowhere in there does it say that you have allocated gold or silver to your holding. It says it's unallocated. It says it might not be there. I mean, there's a whole bunch of disclaimers inside of that, of that prospectus. Just go read it. So I don't have any interest in owning SLV other than for day trading purposes. I like to day trade Q. AGQ, which is the twice the performance of SLV. This is a day trading app. That looks unbelievable, doesn't it? Holy smokes. That could blow out. Um, but for investing purposes, PSLV is the place to go. Sprott Physical Silver. Allocated silver in a vault outside of the banking system, audited four times a year. And if you hold the asset more than 12 months, you can demand delivery of, of silver or gold bars. Silver in this case, and of course, PHYS is gold. You can see Sprott Physical. This was the original entry point, run up, pull back, secondary entry point, run up, pull back, third, run up, here it is. Now it's come all the way down and tested that support. We were buying the gold stocks here. I don't know, I'm even wondering if I should have an allocation of the physical. Maybe, maybe I should have PHYS and PSLV in the portfolio. But I always feel that in a, a raging bull market in metals, the miners have the leverage, and those stocks usually go up more than the metal. So that's why I'm focused on the stocks. Uh, Alexander, I, 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 it probably is a good time to buy Pan American. I think their problems on the earnings call are probably short-lived, and you can always say that the low of the gap down day is your stop there. That's pretty obvious. So if it goes below the low of that day, you've you got to stop your loss. But for my purposes, why buy a chart like that when I could, I could buy SILJ? That chart looks so much better. And I'm getting all of the silver names and I'm getting Pan American. It's something, it's something north, I think, of 10% of, 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 of SILJ is PAAS. So if Pan American recovers, if when it recovers, this stock goes up. And meanwhile, all the other names are flying. Here's a name I really like in the silver space I'm trying to get a hold of, and that's Hecla. Because Hecla has lead and zinc at the same time. 
So you're talking about really three industrial metals. That's a much better chart and a much better earnings announcement. So why would I bother? Hey, thanks for that, man. Sure is, Stephen. Sure is. You know, we're trying to find entry points like the metals and then stay with the trades. And I'll tell you right now, honestly, I feel buying shares of Merck and Gilead, you know, and Bristol Myers, that feels like buying gold and silver in March. The reward to risk is right. You know, if Bristol Myers closes below the 200-day moving average, I'm wrong. You know, I'm wrong. But if it stays above here, holds that pennant after what was, quote, a bad earnings announcement, you know, the, the only direction this thing goes is higher. And I collect the dividend while I'm doing it. So I'm trying to find those names, Stephen. I know you're an Armour Insider, and so we're going to be talking about this a lot, you know, um, all next week. If the market holds up on Monday and it looks like it was just a shakeout last week, then we're going to be looking for chart patterns that look like this, that look like, you know, it's like we made money in Lockheed Martin. Look where, look where we bought Lockheed Martin, right off of the low. Great run in Lockheed. That's what we're looking for, those chart patterns. Saber Corp. Um, that's not a pattern that I'm in love with. Go to the next one. Yeah, Osisco Gold Corp. Yeah, we've been talking about this on the Armor Trading Desk. The royalty play, and I love the royalty plays. It's a nice cup and handle, and it's just coming out the top side. So I give a, a thumbs up to, um, to to OSK. I mean to OR. Um, but I just wanted to see something for a second. You just got to go in there. I don't remember off the top of my head if this is the turkey play. I could be wrong. But you got to go in there and make sure that your um, wh wherever they hold their assets is a safe uh, jurisdiction. That, that's the only key. But that chart looks pretty good. So what was the other name you were asking about? Let's see. Nokia. Oh, yeah. Well, the chart's screwed up because of that huge update, which is not real, not a real update there. So this this looks pretty good. Nokia looks pretty good. I gotta do some work on Nokia. I really do. I'm gonna write that down for myself. I think I said that last week and I just didn't get to it. But this is the this is the week to do research and that chart looks really good. I gotta get on the last conference call and find out what was that gap up and how real does it sound? Because if it's real, then probably the stock should be bought Monday if the market holds up. I mean this is the gap up. This was a tight pennant. It broke out. Then the market imploded for three days and it held the 14-day moving average. You know, and you would use the low of Thursday as your stop and you could put a trade on there. That might be a great idea, Raymond. Thanks for that. I'll take a look at it on Monday. Yeah, AG looks good. Definitely a fan of AG. You know, don't they have some legal woes though? Every time I look at these things, at the end of the day, I just want to own more shares of SILJ. It owns all these names. So I just have a bigger position size on. I get the same upside, and I have no single stock risk. 
Karen, geez, what would be my suggestion? 300,000 in cash and you're 60. You know what my suggestion is? I'm going to tell you right now what my suggestion is. Subscribe to the Armor Report. Become an Armor Insider. And we'll share how we build portfolios. And you can use that as a guide to structure your own. Right? But I can't possibly come on YouTube and tell you this is what you should buy. I don't know you personally. I don't know your risk tolerance. Right? I don't know what your goal is. Okay? But as an Armor Insider, you can use our resources if you want to manage your own assets. You can use the resources and help structure your own portfolio. So that's my thought. Thanks for asking me that softball question. <laughs> All right. Um, next question. Lithium stocks. Let's take a look. This is a sh shout out to the Armor Insiders. I know you guys are really jonesing to own some uranium plays. They sure look good, right? CCJ held up. Really didn't come down. The best names don't come down when the market implodes. And then DNN is an insider favorite, and it's holding the 50-day, making a higher low. So those are interesting-looking patterns. Lithium. Oh, oh, what a chart that is. Oh, i got to write that one down. Woo, give you a gold medal for that chart pattern. Look at that. that what makes me excited about that chart is simply reward to risk. It's an explosive pattern, right? And the stop is pretty obvious. To me, it would be... The low of the 12th, which is 154, let's say. It goes below 154, I have to get out of it, you know. But um, you could even make that, you could even make the stop tighter. If I was a swing trader, I'd say the low of, of Friday would be my stop, honestly. That looks great. ALB, I got to do some research there. Massive up move on a weekly chart. This is the first pull. So really, the, the original pattern is here. All right, this is the original breakout. It ripped higher. This is the first pullback to the 50. I, I love those setups. And then uh, LPHM. No, it's the same thing. I'm... Well, I really like I like these patterns. You're coming up with some good patterns. Who is this? Business. Business. I wish you guys would use your real name. Um, anyway, I'm going to put LTHM. I'm going to do some work on those lithium stocks. They look pretty good, man. Good call. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. Um, thoughts on MJUS versus MSOS. Um, that's a great question. Just off the top of my head, first thought, the more ETFs that are started to help people access the U.S. cannabis market, the better it is for U.S. cannabis stocks. So that's step one. If it broadens the market out and brings more capital into the space, it just makes owning those names even, even better for us. It makes them more liquid. It makes me want to go buy True Leaf, Green Thumb, Cresco, and Curaleaf, the top four names in these, in these ETFs, because it makes them more and more liquid. One of the reasons why I don't recommend it and I normally don't do it is because they trade on the Canadian Stock Exchange and they trade by appointment. When things start going down, the bids disappear. 
But if you have big ETFs bringing lots of capital in, it's not happening yet. I mean, big ETFs. There's some ETFs bringing capital in. The more capital attracted to the space, the you know, what does that new ETF have to do? It has to go buy all the names that are in MSOS. So I don't really think it's one or the other. I happen to like MSOS. I like the people behind it. I think they're smart guys. That's where I'm going to put my money. Um, but the more, the merrier is my thought there. And I think big picture, it's great for the U.S. cannabis space. Uh-huh. Yeah. LBMA and World Gold Council are protesting Basel III. You know what? And uh, uh, Jesse, that's probably a risk here. Who knows? We get to late June and, um, you know, Basel III, whoever, you know, controls that decision, um, uh, delays it. That could happen. That's a risk, actually, to this great story. So we bought it right. We've earned the right to take more risk. We still have to use stops because at any moment, this story can blow up in our face. And I'm glad you just brought that up. You know, but <clears throat> that's just a reality check to make sure that we're aware that the armor investing way is a three-stage process. Build the whiteboard. We did it. We had precious metals on it. Use algorithms to find our entry point. We did it. We bought it early March. We're making money across the board. Step three, stage three, stop loss discipline. Read and react to price action. Don't force your will on the market. Glad you brought that up. I'm glad I had a chance to say it before we end today. Tesla. Well, as goes Tesla, goes all of the innovator funds. And so there's the problem on Tesla, right? This was the green entry point that failed. We talked about it. I'm going to take this green off the list now because that's a failure. Okay, now we have the big uptrend that's imploding. It's stopping right on the 200-day moving average. You can see the exponential and the arithmetic moving averages are both at the same price. There should be a lot of support here. If Tesla keeps going down, we have a major problem in the market. If Tesla stops here, makes a double bottom, holds above this area, okay, it just it becomes another big, you know, uh, S&P 500 stock. It doesn't help that Elon Musk is continuing to show his buffoonery. I don't want to get off on a tangent here, you know, but let me just say his comments on Bitcoin or any other cryptocurrency smacks of manipulation to me, just smacks of it, okay? And this is a guy who didn't mind manipulating Tesla stock but ran afoul of the SEC. Do you recall that? He came out and put out a tweet, I'm going to take Tesla private. I already have the funding, which was totally illegal. I'm shocked that that guy is still CEO of the company. I don't know who he paid off to get out of that one at the SEC, but he did a little slap on the wrist. He said, okay, I'm not going to manipulate Tesla anymore, but I can clearly manipulate cryptocurrencies. There's no regulator in there. Nobody knows how much 
Bitcoin, he dumped at 60,000, knowing he was going to make this ridiculous comment about mining and how it affects the environment as if he just figured that out. I mean, this is the grandfather of saving the environment, created a company who was designed to save the environment. That's why everybody buys a Tesla. And now all of a sudden the guy just figured out that mining Bitcoin is bad for the environment. It's manipulation of the highest order with no regulator to go after him for the fact that he probably sold a bunch of Bitcoin in the, close to 60000 And no doubt he's looking to buy the Bitcoin back at 46000 or whatever. We don't know what his manipulation will be. It's disturbing that this is a guy who is the CEO of Tesla. It's disturbing to me. Maybe it doesn't disturb anybody else. It disturbs me. And, um, yeah, so I have no interest in investing in a company run by a man like that. You know? That's my thought. Whoops. What we got here? OR. Biggest in Quebec. Great, man. Great. I like OR. What's NSR? Yeah, I like that. Boy, you guys got me off in a rant there. I was trying to avoid that. Hey, for those of you who are Bitcoin enthusiasts, it's really interesting. I posted on Twitter. You can follow me at Brett Rosenthal, B-R-E-T, Rosenthal, R-O-S-E-N-T-H-A-L. And I just tweeted it out, I think it was this morning, um, a really interesting discussion of the breakdown of, of how much Bitcoin was put on the network right before, right before Elon made those comments. So you can see this shift of huge amounts of Bitcoin put on the network to be dumped right on the story. I mean, it's crazy. It's, it's crazy. And very often, the manipulation could be a long... I'm not saying this means Bitcoin's going to 20,000 either. This is a manipulation. This was a comment about Bitcoin that was totally bogus to wreck it. Probably he sold some into it. Here's what big institutions do. Here's what big manipulators do. They, they, they have 100,000 Bitcoin they want to buy. They dump 1,000. They dump 10,000, whatever the numbers are. They have 10,000 Bitcoin they want to buy. They dump 1,000 on a piece of news, and they hit the bids as hard as they can. Panic everybody out there doesn't know what's going on. So they start hitting the bid, and then they step up and buy 10,000 when they determine that the selling's enough. I mean, this has been going on since the dawn of time. Don't believe me? Just go watch the movie Wall Street. It's true. Just go watch what Gordon Gecko does. It's exactly what just happened in Bitcoin last week. Anyway. All right. Sorry. LIT. I'm going to take a look at it. I'll put it on the chart. I mean, global lithium battery tech. Great. LIT. Let's do it. That might be a better way to play that. An ETF? Might be a better way to play it. You know I love ETFs. Yeah, Great. That might be the way I want to play with you. Perfect. Uh, okay. All right, Sean. Um, let me just tell you one thing about companies going public through a SPAC. Most of those stocks are god-awful when the SPAC is over, right? Just go look at them. I mean, like straight down. The stocks get destroyed. I, I think SPACs are one of the worst things that ever happened to this market. 
So I don't have a huge interest in it. Meanwhile, I'm out there buying shares of CERAF, which is the SPAC, right, for uh, Parallel, which is the, a major um, U.S. MSO. So it's not that I won't do it. I'll go take a look at this one, but generally I stay away from SPACs. Good, good to know. All right. PLG. I do think it's time for... Um, yeah, that looks good. That chart looks okay. No, it looks okay. I mean, look, I think it's time for metals. Um, it's clearly, you know, time for copper is going through the roof, you know. So southern Peruvian copper, well, it used to be southern Peruvian. Now it's just southern copper. Um, you know, some copper plays, some silver plays. This is why I really like Hecla. I'm really a fan of Hecla. But nothing wrong with that. Karen, we can't wait to see you. And hopefully we'll be able to help you manage your own capital, making your own decisions, but using Armor Report as a guide to direct is what we're trying to do. Net Smelter R. What does that mean? Ryder, Net, what do you, I don't know what you're trying to tell me there. Raymond, what was your allowed? OR. Oh, oh. Oh, okay. I see what you're saying. This is about OR. Yeah, I like OR. I like it. Good call. Okay, guys, any more questions before I wrap up? Plug power hydrogen plays. Um, right now, Stephen, those plays are all caught up in the innovator type of collapse, and the, there's just a massive amount of overhead. So not really, not really for me right now. Take a look at... Um, Ten, which I thought, as you know, we put a position on 10 and we got stopped out of it almost immediately, right? We put it on right here as it went up and it immediately came down. We got out and then the whole thing imploded. So uh, this is a good point. Armor value entry points are not a guarantee we make money. It's just a great risk reward setup. And we know what the risk is. We got out immediately when it didn't work. The thing imploded. So we're done. But I think it's really interesting that Biden is president and Democrats control everything and solar energy stocks are imploding and I'm looking at buying shares of the oil and gas exploration sector. Talk about contrarian investing. Why would we be doing that? I, don't you want to ask, why is that happening? I don't know. I don't know. I think everybody got ahead of themselves assuming that there'd be this green revolution, and now everyone's waking up to the fact that that can't happen for at least 10 years. And in the meantime, um, all the restrictions on energy makes the energy companies who have energy in the ground more valuable. I mean, so there's going to be one last major hurrah in these, in these U.S. exploration production companies before we ever get to needing to own shares of the solar stocks. I also read a story that, you know, major amount of components for these solar companies come out of China and there's some rumblings of trouble uh, getting those components. So, um, and, and all that, I mean, all of this leans towards energy prices at bottom going higher. We have a commodity super cycle unfolding. We at the Arm Report have, and I'm going to end on this note. Um, well, okay, I'll take two more questions, but that, 
we, we at the Armour Report have been, um, just like gold, we started buying energy a few months ago. But what, what I decided to do is focus, okay, on the pipelines. We bought the pipelines right back here in early April, okay? And the, pipe, the, the reason I wanted to do pipelines first is it's just like a no-brainer to me. Fat dividend, more than 5% dividend payout. And yet the, the, the stocks, I mean, I've owned these stocks in the before where uh, pipelines can be huge capital gain in, in, in increases in your portfolio. You can have huge success from a capital gain standpoint in pipelines and collect a dividend. It's like that proverbial cake and eating it. So we started here. We bought that stock. We bought Enbridge. This is right back in here. <coughs> Excuse me. We recently added shares of Williams. As you can see, it's just now breaking out. These are low-risk, high-reward setups for me, and we own shares of CVX. So the first thing we did was we bought what I thought were lower beta names paying dividends to see if we earned the right to take more risk. Now it looks like we're earning that right. And so what I probably do is I just go with XOP. There's a lot of my favorite names in here, okay? I think uh, Apache looks great. CLR looks great. EOG is a, is a screamer. Okay, PXD just did a secondary. They, the reason the stock is down is because they raised a bunch of capital. So that's like a no-brainer right on the 50-day. You could buy the stock right here, and if it takes out the low of Thursday, you're out. And the only reason the stock is down is that they raised more capital. So anyway, th those are some of my other ideas. Those of you who sticked around, <laughs> stuck around for this part of the conversation, those are some more ideas that are at the top of my whiteboard. C-H-D-T. Oh, yeah. Keep talking about this. Whoops. I don't want to do that. I just want to readjust this down because this is a, this is a clear, you know, if you have to stop the position out, there's your stop, you know. But I like to see these patterns uh, Deb, I like to see them above the 200-day, not below the 200-day. I like to see them when the moving averages are, are flat to trending higher, and these things are all rolling down. I'm just uncomfortable with this completely. That, that chart just does not attract me at, at all. And of course, it doesn't mean it you know, can't go up. I'm just saying. Um, electric vehicle charging stations. It's just not the right group right now, you know, but it, it, if it holds those lows, if you said to me, I, I love this idea, I've done the fundamental research, don't let me stop you, but I would just say the low of Thursday has got to be the stop loss on this thing. That's in my opinion, you know. You asked me, one, one other thing, Deb, you asked me about like a swing trade or something. Like for me, the best trades are when you don't have overhead. Like there's so much overhead from so many people losing money in the stock since, since uh, the beginning of the year. They're trapped in the thing. So you get a one-day rally and a bunch of people puke out their shares. Thank God it went up a little bit. And so it caps the upside, and yet your downside is still the same. And so it's, that's not the right reward-risk scenario for me. It's not what I look for. 
Look at that thing. Oil recyclers. I'm going to have to give you a high five on that chart pattern. Um, problems I've got with it. Do I have any? Well, it doesn't, it doesn't trade a lot of volume, so it's going to be very hard for me or anybody at the Armour Report, you know, to really get involved in the stock. You know, it's, it's not quite $2, and the thing trades on average less than a million shares. So it's so easy for one institution to sneeze and the whole thing get blown apart. And, of course, the flip side is the whole thing could skyrocket. So not a bad chart pattern. I'm not a guy who chases. I might put this on my list as a day trade idea um, for our Armour Live trading desk. Um, but I generally stay away from the small names like that. Yeah, I think BJ, I, I think the retail names look good. BJ looks really good, actually. You're on to something there. I'm going to write that one down, put that right next to, um, so we're putting together a list here. And I'm pen man out of ink here. All right, so we got BJ, I think, um, I think Kohl's looks pretty good. I like Bris I like um, Best Buy a lot. These charts all look really good. Let's look at Target. That's always my favorite. Things gone. I'm not going to pay up for that. And Walmart. I don't know. I had it for a while. And we bought it right in here. We sold it actually on this day before the before the Thursday. We sold it Wednesday. Then it collapsed down Thursday, and then it's kind of recovered. That that chart is looking less and less appealing to me. So I, I think I would go with BJ's first. That thing looks really good. Energy transfer partners. Yeah, now here's – I'm going to wrap up here, guys, because i got to split. I'm sure you do. But let me just say um, – Nothing wrong with the MLPs. It's just from my from my perspective, I just don't need the hassle at tax time trying to track down K1s. It's just not worth it to me. That the, the yield difference isn't good enough for me. It's just not enough. I can get yield in the corporate stocks that don't have any K1s. I mean, it's just so I don't bother with ET. But if you're comfortable with the K1 MLP situation, ET chart look it looks great and it can be bought right here. The whole, the whole group is going up when I say it can be bought. You got to do your own research, do your own homework, blah, blah, blah. You know what I'm saying. And I would probably stop it out if it took out the low here. But what I'm saying is look at that chart pattern. It's coming out of the tops right now. You know, ideally, you would have bought it back here when we were buying Kinder Morgan and Enbridge and, and, and Williams. But, you know, guys, ladies and gentlemen, I am so appreciative that you would spend some of your Saturday with me. I hope you have a great week next week. Monday's going to be big. Armor Insiders, I'll see you at 8.30 in the morning to set up our day trading and our investing strategies, okay, for the day. We'll also do a 2.30. No doubt I'll be doing a 2.30 in-game update to get us ready for the close. And um, if you all, the rest of you who are um, subscribers, if you're not subscribers, to this YouTube channel because what will happen is you'll get emails when we're putting out um, new videos. And what I'm trying to do for you each day 
is kind of take some snippets from these insider videos that we do real time and share them with you when the day's over so you just get an idea where our head is and hopefully it'll help you out uh, over time. So anyway, guys, thanks for spending time with me. Don't forget one more time, bang that like button and I'll see you all next Saturday at 1130. All right, take care.